Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. The podcast that eyes up 40-yard free kicks and usually dispatches them. My name is Chris, I am your host and this evening I'm joined by my usual cohorts of Jez and Phil. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Right, let's get stuck in, shall we? We're going to do a little bit of a, a rewind, first of all, because uh, around about a week or so ago now, uh, there was a midweek game in the Coupe de France, which we just wanted to give kind of a little bit of a, a nod and a wink to, if you will, because we're going to start the show with the title race and PSG. So let's talk about uh, talk about them a little bit. They won 3-0 at home to Lille. And at the time, I thought to myself, well, it's probably best for Lille. They need to focus on the league. Uh, more on that later. But goals from Mario Riccardi, uh, Kylian Mbappe twice, uh, one in the last minute, saw the Parisians through. Just a quick question, Phil, I'm going to pick on you. Um, mm -hmm. Literally just a very quick question to you here. If PSG won the Coupe de France and the Champions League, but didn't win the league, is that a successful season for you? Yeah, I think because you said the magic words Champions League. Yeah, I was a bit yeah. naughty about that, wasn't I? I think that's obviously been the priority since forever. So if they did that, yeah. Um this game was one where I was thinking the same as you, that Lille were possibly not trying their hardest. But um, after Mike Magnon had such a great, uh, great game the previous weekend, it was a bit of a problem to see Icardi scoring inside 10 minutes after Magnon and uh, I think Thiago Giallo had a bit of a mare. Um, organising a back pass and just letting through. And Navas again came through for them, more on that later, uh, mm. by saving a penalty from UCJ when they were 2-0 up, which could have made things a lot more interesting. And then there was a lovely kind of injury time Mbappe chip lob arrangement uh, that made it 3-0. So the first of the Coupe de France weekends, uh put in this midweek for scheduling reasons means that PSG are through and um, it looked very comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Safe passage through uh, for Paris Saint-Germain. The question I'm going to throw to you, Jez, is taking it into Europe. We saw the draw last week for the, uh, the final stages, if you will. Um, of all the draws PSG could have got, Bayern Munich is the one they have got, the repeat of last year's final. Rather than sort of asking the obvious question of, is it a good draw? Because I think we probably all agree it's not the best draw, although you know, technically you have to beat the best to win it. Do you think that this game might be a little bit different to last year, given the fact it's going to be two legs? Do you sort of see this being a, a much more, uh, not, not so much close, because the final was close, but... Essentially, what I'm asking you is, do you think PSG have got a better chance over two legs with this draw this this time around? Um, I had this uh, conversation with a friend of mine. He reckons yes. I reckon no. Ooh, um, tell me why. I think... I still think Bayern are the best or the second best team in Europe at the moment. Um, but they they do seem to be a little bit more fragile than they were last year. Um, probably for all the same reasons that PSG are as well. Tiredness, 
very long, uh, well, not a long summer, a long previous season into the summer, which meant a very short summer, um, juggling a lot of injuries. And although within the Bundesliga, they still keep coming out on top, it feels like there's been a lot of matches recently where, for example, they've given other teams a one or two goal head start. Um, I feel like if it's a one-off match and they were to start sloppily like that against PSG, um, PSG should have the quality to hold out for 90 minutes. Over 180 minutes, I just get the impression that usually the, the better team wins out and I think Bayern are the better team. Um, that said, I, I don't think it's a formality that Bayern will win. And it's funny that... Um, Rafa Honigstein, I guess it's easy to be sort of more magnanimous when, when you've won, but he often says that PSG were the better team in the final. Um, I'm not sure about that. I think they were certainly the better team maybe for the first 50 minutes or so. Um, or created the better chances, but they didn't take them. Neuer made some good saves. And then I think once Bayern scored, they, they, they pretty much closed out the game relatively comfortably. Um, but certainly PSG gave them a scare and I think a, a sort of fresher and fitter Mbappe probably would have put a chance or two away. Um, so you know, I think PSG have got the, the tools to beat, to beat Bayern, but um, certainly Bayern would start as favourites. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Um, yes, it's, it's a very tough one, isn't it? Very, very tough one to look at because, in theory, two of the better sides left in the competition are, are, are going to be facing off. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where I sit. Part of me sort of thinks that now is the time for the PSG that we sort of hope to see to come out. And the other part of me is just horrified at the idea that Bayern Munich could wipe the floor with them. I guess it's one of those we'll have to see what happens let's uh let's bring it up to the weekend then because we've got a lot of a lot of talk at the top and bottom of our uh, league on this weekend there's been an awful lot has gone on um and has affected both ends of the table so we'll start at the top of the table um stick with you first of all jez and we'll, and we'll stick with psg first of all as well we'll come on to the defensive side because i want to touch on that with phil but from an attacking point of view they, uh, they got a victory over Olympic Lyonnais by four goals to two. Uh, I think it's safe to say at 4-0, they rather kind of went to the shops uh, and switched off. They were racing to the lead, Mbappe with a, a classic Mbappe goal, really, in, in 15 minutes. Danilo Pereira with a really well-executed volley from Marquinhos knockdown to make it two. Di Maria making it three right after half time to kill off any real hopes that uh, Lyon had before Mbappe himself. Uh, scored a fourth and then came off with maybe possibly a tight hamstring. Not 100% sure. He's joined up with France. He should be okay. His ankle. With oh, ankle, is it? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's sort of precautionary, I would, would suspect, with that one. Slimane and Cornet pulled goals back when, as I say, PSG had shut down. What did you sort of, what did you make of this? Is, is this, we keep saying, is this the weekend? But... PSG were, were pretty impressive, I think it would be fair to say, and, and they kind of blew Leon away. And I don't want to upset Leon fans, but to me, this is exactly why Leon are not going to win this league because when it really matters, they go walkies. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, Leon, I think, have been flattering to deceive for, for a while. I think um, 
they've been getting results, but they've rarely been playing particularly well, to be fair. So that that aspect of it wasn't too shocking, but considering that they they have shown that they can raise their game against PSG and they obviously won the 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 first fixture between the clubs this year away from home, you'd have you'd have hoped to have seen a lot more from them. I thought they were diabolical yesterday. But PSG were excellent. Um, first half in particular, it was arguably the 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 best sort of team performance that they've they've shown this season, certainly in, in Liga. Um Mbappe was, you know, really up for it. Um should have set not should have set Moise Keane I mean he did set him up Moise Keane should have put the chance away um, extremely early on obviously Mbappe got a couple of goals um, the first one sort of it's almost becoming his trademark goal it's very similar to to the one that he scored against Argentina and the one he scored against Barcelona um, they were yeah they were just they, I thought all the way through although the defence um, didn't have too difficult a time because Leon's attack was so poor. What they did do, they did very well. Um, Abdou Diallo, I put on Twitter and some people thought I was a little bit harsh, but um, I haven't always been that impressed with him at all. But I think he's been fantastic when he's come in as left back for PSG. And you've got to think he he, sh- he deserves to be their starting left back now. Um, not that he's got some much great competition at the moment until Bernat comes back. Um, I think in midfield, um, Danilo, for example, again, and Gay at times this year have not been that impressive, but both of them looked extremely solid. I think Verratti, um, I'm not going to say that I'm any kind of sort of manager or anything, but to me, it's it's... I've always thought that he could be a very effective number 10 and I'm surprised he hasn't been sort of tried out earlier at that. But I think that could be not the making of him, but certainly sort of give him almost like a, a kind of second life at PSG. And it's, it's I think, certainly helping out the attack and the, the sort of transition from midfield to attack, at least while Neymar's not fit. Um, I think Keane adds so much to the team because he works so hard and he does a defensive shift, which puts a little less onus, well, not less onus because they don't care anyway, but um, it means that he's doing some defensive work while Mbappe and Di Maria don't, um, which also helps the team out. So I just, I think it was a, a really complete performance. Navas as well, a really important save possibly it's still 1-0, maybe 2-0. And then, as you said, PSG did obviously kind of completely switch off after 4-0, but it went to 4-2. And just after the second goal, Navas there as well made a brilliant reflex save. If that had gone to 4-3, then, you know, there might have been a few nerves jangling. So, um, you know, literally across the team, everyone sort of put in a, a really good performance. And it was a mixture. You know, I, I do think Lyon failed to turn up. But you have to give PSG credit for a, a really good performance. Mm. Yeah, I think you, I think you've put that uh, very well, and it's it's kind of the defensive element I want to ask you about, Phil, because you mentioned Caleb Navas, uh, who's been yeah. been really really good of late, and that that defensive axis that that's what has to kick into gear if PSG are going to go deep into this Champions League, because Marquinhos we know is is exceptional on his day, but like Jess said, there's that unfamiliarity of sort of left back switching I think Florenzi's a really good right back on his day but he hasn't been sort of fully fit for a while and it's who you pair 
Um, Marquinhos with Kimpembe is the obvious choice, and we all know you know he can be brilliant and he can also be a little bit dodgy. But Navas has been exceptional, hasn't he, in, in recent weeks, yeah. especially? I think um, Jez mentioned one of the, maybe two of the saves, but it was a super save from Navas that set up the break for Mbappe's second, which was his, I think, 100th league on goal. And I swear, with an empty stadium as well, you heard that hit the back of the net like a rifle shot. It was very impressive. But then when, I'd say that PSG had a good hour. And then, as you say, went to the shops and Leon did pull themselves together. And it was there that Navas really, um, again, pulled it together and made it very hard for them after they got their second goal he pulled up a brilliant double save from a free kick but I was also I also love the fact that after the uh, fourth PSG goal um, Garcia made a triple substitution for Islam Slimani came on I don't know if I'm getting him mixed up with someone else or I just think the name makes me think he should be slight and nippy but the guy's built like a wardrobe so when he got his goal, um, obviously that's 4-1. So he runs into the net to get the ball to take it back, as they always do. And usually there's some argy-bargy with the keeper. And Navas just basically gave him the ball and said, just just go. <laughs> and whether that was because we're 4-1 up or whether it was because you're a big bloke, I'm not arguing here. I don't know. But I, I think like the Navas... thing is Navas is a good guy. Yeah. And because... He realizes that it's one of the most stupid things in football that grabbing the ball. <laughs> the referee should be stopping the clock. But it was it was very playing. refreshing to just see him hand it over. Um, but I still think that Navas was extremely important in that game, which, given that they were four nil up inside an hour, sounds weird. Mm. But it is. It is it is the case. So uh, that's, yeah. Leon did not impress at all in at least the first hour. They did pull themselves together a bit at the, at the back end, but still not great. And so they're now third place. Um, yes. And yeah. I mean, ESG have... ESG on 63. The, the table. And, and significantly for me, difference. that's the key. That's that's the big thing for me. Forty six to Lille's thirty one. Let's let's talk Lille. Uh, am I going to write? No, I'm going to keep Monaco separate because I think it's worthy worthy of. Just Lille. What was your kind of thoughts on this game? Because uh, what am I going? Am I going to gloat? Yeah, sorry, I'm going to gloat. Who who said that that Neem might have not have a chance? against Lille this weekend. Some, somebody said that on a podcast last week. I don't know who that guy might have been, but he's definitely worth a follow on Twitter, I would suggest. Gloating over, what did you reckon to this, Jez, in all seriousness? I mean, I say, I, I had a feeling and I, don't, I couldn't put it down to anything. You know, it was just a gut feeling that, that Lille looked tired and so it proved against Paris in midweek. And then, you know, they, they fell to a really surprise home defeat to, uh, by two goals to one in this particular game. Am I being harsh when I say this result is is possibly one that could cost them the challenge, or or is this just a minor blip? I should say that Repar's goal 
uh, was the winner after Kone had put Liam in front and Xhaka had equalised. What do you reckon to Lille, Jez? What's the thoughts? I think I wouldn't read too much into the Coupe de France result because I think firstly, Gautier did change things around a bit. And secondly, there were sort of two or three incidents that really sealed the match. Like Phil said, there was the misunderstanding between Menon and Jello, and then Navas saved a penalty and PSG's penalty was pretty dodgy. And then Lille also hit the bar. Um, I'm not sure it was for a, lot, for a lot of the match. I'm not sure it was a sort of 3-0 match. Um, but yeah, they do look tired. I mean, I said Lyon have been flattering to deceive. I don't think Lille have. I th- some people have been saying they have. For me, it's not that. It's just that they've kind of... They're not showing as free-flowing football as they were earlier in the season, but they've still been getting the results. And I don't think they've been... I suppose it depends what you mean by grinding them out. It's just that they've been like sort of settling for, for narrow wins rather than them being really sketchy wins, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I, I think they really do look tired. And, you know, the fact is like these results happen, but they should be not, they should not be losing at home to Nîmes. And, and, um, whatever the reason, whether it is tiredness or you know mental fatigue, physical fatigue, um, whether it is just a blip, it shouldn't be happening. And it, yeah, it could be the the crucial result. I think possibly the first match actually after the after the international break is PSG Lille, which is obviously yeah. massive. Um, and Lille ideally should have been in a position where they've at least got that three point cushion and where, you know, even if they went on to lose that match, they'd still at worst be level on points. So this does feel like they've they've lost a kind of big joker. Um, and I, I think it probably will turn out to be the, the crucial match and the, the turning point of the season. But you never know, you know, last week PSG lost to Nantes, so things could still happen. And I think possibly the international break comes at a, a really good time for Lille. I think... Um, First of all, obviously, some players will will rest, and you'd think more more players than, for example, PSG. You'd expect them to have more players on international duty, and also, I think it gives Gautier a chance to to give a few of them a bit of a kick. It gives Yilmaz a chance to to get back to to match fitness, full match fitness. Um, I think it's hopefully it will it will do them some good because. Um, they they have looked like they're they're sort of running out of steam in recent weeks. Yeah, agreed. Huge credit to, to Lille, uh, to Lille, to Nîmes, though. Sorry, um, because as I say, they they played very well. Yeah, sure, they had to hang on towards the end. But I mean, what club wouldn't going away to to uh, to Lille and having to to grind out that result? Fair play to them. What about um, Friday night's game, Phil? Because I w- I watched this some Etienne nil Monaco four. Uh, Jovetic, Shuameni, Diop and Diata with his first in, in Liga. The uh, Diop goal in particular was delicious. A little oh. chip over the advancing goalkeeper. No, um, Kevin. What well, yeah, and, 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 no, and Kevin. No, he Kevin. scored four and... goals and Kevin Volland doesn't get one. Oh, my Lord. And, and do and, seem to have some depth there. And Ben Yedder on the bench as well. Um, left out, at, you know, at the extent of, of Jovetic coming in and he, he took the chance and scored. But... Just Monaco just looks so good in this game. It has to be said, St. Etienne well, poor, but you know. That first 15 minutes, I think Jovetic hit the woodwork twice before getting his goal. And mm. it's like, well, that's a kind of 
welcome to hell kind of moment. And <laughs> the, I thought Germany's goal was actually uh, the peach of the four. Has to be said that Diata's goal was actually his first touch, having come on a sub. Yeah, not a bad uh, one, Which yeah. I think needs some form of hat tip. But yeah, uh, Saint-Étienne just looked lost throughout that entire encounter and Monaco just looked up for it and having a wonderful time. And so, yes, they're now only one point behind Lyon. So they're still they're still very much in this uh, podium race, I think, after, after that. But yeah, Chumani's goal was... Nice. Yeah, yeah. They're just Fishy. really, just really impressive, Monica, and and they're not going away. I, I still think they're very much the outsiders as, as this title race goes. But with Leon losing above them, with Leo losing above them, they have now cut that gap once again. It's only a point to to Leon in third, and a further three points up to Lille. And as Joe said, Leo PSG up next. Only takes PSG to win. And, uh, and and Monaco to uh, to win in in the corresponding fixture or fixture elsewhere, I should say. Which um, I think isn't it Mets? It is. Yes, it is Mets. So I'm sure Jez, you'll be happy for me to say that. In fact, isn't it back to back Monaco Mets games now in the in the cup and the league? I think I read somewhere. Um, anyway, I digress. But yeah, Monaco at home to Mets. You know, they win that suddenly. They're right back in. Even a draw, PSG, Leon. It's all changed. But uh, I wanted to give Monaco a little bit of love because, yeah, that was a really good performance from right. them. See Monaco yeah. Also, just to say that... Before, I think people were prematurely talking about them as, as title contenders. Like four points is still quite a lot. And they're playing great, but they're playing great. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But uh, as, as the old cliche, and it is a massive cliche, but you can only win what's in front of you. Can't you? you can only do... What's there, and they took advantage of a, you know, a lapless and helpless um, Saint Etienne side, and, and took the points. But yeah, I, I take your point. I, I think it would be, I think it would probably be fair to say if they won it, it would be a huge upset. And the only way I think that they probably can win it is they're going to have to win pretty much every game and hope PSG turn their focus to Europe. Um, yeah. But what I could see is Monaco leapfrogging Lille and Lyon into second yeah. by the end of the season. Because. Can we just, it's after the international break, Monaco play Mets, PSG play Lille. This is all on Saturday, the 3rd of April. And mm. Lyon are away at Lens. Lens, yeah, which is no now, easy task. that, as we may come on to later, could also be a cracking match. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to say it's, it's, it's all very much in the proverbial melting pot. Speaking of which, I want to talk about the bottom because, you know, that's just as much fun as the top. Uh, yeah, I'm going to resist the urge to have any more jokes there. But as we went into the weekend, I think we all we were all in agreement that, that Dijon were pretty much dead and buried. I think after this weekend, we can all agree that they are dead and buried. Uh, Rams were the latest uh, latest to benefit from Dijon's generosity. Boulodia with the winning goal there. So I think it's fair to say Dijon have gone. But all of a sudden, there's this uh, sort of real cluster between three teams. And uh, I'm still going to keep saying it, St Etienne and Strasbourg are not safe, particularly with them both losing. But we saw we saw Nantes uh, get uh, a, a draw. Fair to say... I we all got the draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to be a little bit... Yeah, I was going to be a little bit harsh, maybe on that. I, they, they, I don't know. They scored early through through uh, Kulamawani, 
Um, and then Lorente uh, happened. Um, for those of you who haven't seen this goal, please look it up. It, it is just outrageous. I've seen a few people say, oh, it's, it's a fluky toe punt, yada, yada, yada. For, for a kid who's 22 years of age playing his, his uh, first, I mean, he was at, at Ren technically on the books at Ren in, in Liga before, but it, his first season in Liga playing games, he, he's now got, that's his third goal. As I say, I don't know how best to describe this other than just a howitzer. It, it's easily 40 yards, and he just absolutely hammers it into the, into the roof of the net past Lafon, who makes his best effort. He probably would have gone in with it had he got behind it. I think you're probably right, Phil. Lorient got the got the draw out of this. But is this kind of a result you look at and you go, it doesn't really doesn't really help either side? Because I, I would I'm happy to take the point given yeah. how late it came. Yeah, I mean it keeps them all in the bottom four, so or I think we're leaving Dijon out of this. So yeah, they've gone, haven't they? Yeah. Three, those three who are fighting for the remaining remaining relegation places. So I think as a neutral, it keeps things more interesting. But I imagine that you are possibly cross. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, yeah. But it was I, a good fight back, and I, I it think... was a lovely goal. It just wasn't as good. Well, no, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. But it was, it was better. But we're not going to agree on that one. <laughs> but I think, I think, uh, what, do you, what do you make of this, Jess? Because obviously we've touched on on Neem, um and their fantastic result. I think of all the results of the weekend, that was almost the one that sort of disappointed me the most because a point for Lorient having been behind for so long to equalise then, and then you sort of sit back and go, right, well, Lille will now dispatch Neem and, you know, there's a little bit of a cushion and then Neem go and do the unthinkable. <laughs> and it's 28 points for Norm, 29 points for Neem, 29 points for Lorient. Lorient are ahead on, on goal difference in terms of minus 18 to Neem's minus 26. What do you make of those three? And uh, are you willing to sort of say that St Etienne and Strasbourg are, uh, are kind of are still in the mix here? Strasbourg, by the way, losing 2-1 to Lens, who just continue to to play very, very well, much to your chagrin, I'm sure. But what do you make of that bottom three slash five? Um, I'm still not putting Saint-Étienne and... and yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. I just don't, I don't think it will. I still think it's going to be between the bottom four. Um, I just, I feel, I don't feel too sorry for them as a club at the moment, the way they run and everything, but I kind of feel sorry for for Nantes, that they were sort of, um, you know, a few minutes away from climbing out of the rele relegation zone completely, and then suddenly their, their second bottom instead. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not in the same way as the top of the table, but you feel like possibly at the end of the season, you might look back on on this set of fixtures and say that's where things changed. And, and you know, taking the Lorient one, it was a, a freakishly brilliant goal that, that got them the equaliser. But when you're fighting for relegation, you you know, you take what you can get. And whether Absolutely. it's, you know, a brilliant goal that hides an average performance or, you know, one that bobbles in off someone's backside or something, it doesn't matter as long as you get the, it gets you the points. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned Ripar from Nîmes earlier and, and he is, it's almost... It's not quite a one-man team, but he seems to be just coming up with so many important goals. And similarly, yeah, just the last few weeks, Loriente, um, you know, there was that late winner. Was it a yeah. winner against someone? I can't remember who. 
You got the yes. Oh god, now you've now you've opened a can of worms. Keep talking, I'll find it for you. <laughs> it was the one that went to the far place. Was it Saint Etienne? Saint Etienne, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Um, uh, yes, it was. Yeah, that was the day he got the double, the eighty-six minute winner. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, and last week, I think he brilliantly set up a, a goal. I think he sort of, you know, nice. flicked the ball one round the defender one way, ran round the other way, and 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 then squared it. That amazing free kick. Um, I think he scored another free kick recently as well. So, you know, it almost feels like he's single-handedly keeping keeping Lorient in 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 league at the moment. So, you know, maybe that's what it will take just a one player to kind of step up and say you know don't worry guys I've got this and and certainly at the moment he he seems to be the man so I for me it's still going to be between the the bottom four or the you know the 17th to 19th place teams um, yeah. I haven't looked yet in detail at the, at the fixtures to see you know but it's they... funny you should say that would you like them meme <laughs> next well it's, it's not just that look, look at Stra- Strasbourg and St Etienne's next five fixtures so Nîmes away this is St Etienne Nîmes away home to Bordeaux away at PSG home to Brest away at Montpellier Strasbourg are the ones I'm really looking at though away at Bordeaux home to PSG away to Nîmes home to Nantes away at Marseille I mean, that's those two clubs have got. They they are going to need to to get a shift on. Of course, that all depends on whether the teams below them can put together results. But as you said there, Jez, you know, I think as we've said all season, really, Lorient have got enough in terms of of, uh, of Lorenzo we've mentioned in terms of Wiesa, in in terms of um, Terra Moffi, who's gone off the ball a little bit recently. But there's goals there. Nantes through Colin Moane have got a goal scorer. And, well, that's and the thing. You say they, they've, they've got enough. They've had them all season and they're still... True. Yeah, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm clutching my straws here, Jez. Don't, don't, don't pee on my fireworks. Um, no, but you are, you are actually absolutely right. Of course, it, it does take them to, to, to get a result. But I guess the point I'm making is it only takes either of Nantes or Lorient or Nîmes, uh, for that matter, to put together even just a run of, you know, two wins and two draws... And those fixtures for Strasbourg and Tenetian to, to sort of catch them up. And all of a sudden, you've got quite a swing there. Um, that's what right, but they've got four or five points to play with, and that's a lot at this stage of the season in a relegation battle. Yeah. Yeah, we shall, we shall see. We shall see. I mean, quite frankly, I couldn't give a monkeys as long as Lorient end up staying up. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not being biased at all. But, uh, yeah, as it stands, Lorient are just keeping their nose above above water. And we should remind um, our listeners who may be new to French football, there is a playoff system in Ligue 1. So the 18th place doesn't mean you're gone. It does, however, mean you'll play off against the team third in, in Ligue 2. So, uh, yeah, there, there is a sort of a second chance um, to, to get out of it, if you will. But it certainly looks at the moment like it will be one down and then one from two for that relegation spot, depending on what happens. Um, Phil, you, you, you keep on mentioning it, so we'll, we'll give it 30 seconds. It was maybe. a lovely free kick. For those who haven't seen it, this is Montpellier 3, Bordeaux 1, Sambia Labord, Mavadidi, and Huang Ujo with a reply for Bordeaux. You're talking about the Sambia free kick. Yeah, is... so Huang opened the scoring which made me nervous as ever, but Sambia, it was a lovely free kick. It was weighted, it was, it was measured, it was very nice. It and was better Laborde, than lovely, it was superb. But Lorient still did not move. <laughs> he just kind of looked sideways and you could see him going, 
waved it goodbye. Oh, as the saying goes. Yeah. Uh, it was it was gorgeous. Um, Costal also had a little bit of a wreck on uh, Montpellier's second, which was Gertrand Laborde, and then Mavridi got the third. So that was a nice, comfy win. Well, Montpellier, who are back in good form, but still don't seem to be doing our blood pressure any good. So mm -hmm. we'll see them, uh, them back up, trying to nudge into the uh, European places while um, Mets Wren was one of the other ones that, that had to do that. And we saw from Wren, Doku getting his debut goal for the club and then getting sent off later in the, in the match, which yeah. I think is some kind of, some kind of record. What did you uh, what did you make of that performance, Jez? Because I, I must admit I did think of you watching this particular game. It ended in a, a 3-1 win for Wren as, as Phil alluded to there, Doku scoring and sent, and sent off. Terrio's goal was from the penalty spot. Uh, Jurassi with a late third uh, and Yade with one back for Mets. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not calamitous, is it, for Mets? But did, did you sort of feel a little bit sick losing to Ren at home, maybe? Yeah, of course. It's a, a bit gutted because Lil and Monaco coming up in theory, I know Ren are having a bit of a manager's bat, new manager bounce, but that that looked the more makeable of those matches. But again, Messi's squad is threadbare, a couple of important suspensions this time as well. They really, really do look knackered. It's a young, mostly inexperienced team. Pajot maybe isn't back to, to sort of full match fitness yet. I think the international break will do them good as well. But um, it's kind of disappointing when you're sort of touching fifth place and then and then coming down but still if you if you said to any mess fan this is where you'd be at this stage of the season you'd bite bite your hand off and if they'd won that they would have been modern, modern footballer mm. like um sorry Lekip last week put out the the usual thing about um their annual edition where they they show all the player salaries in Liga and you're only yeah. surprised that um PSG I think had all of the top 10 and 16 of the top 20. <coughs> but Messi's, salary, Messi's average salary is the second lowest in Ligue 1. Um, and the modern footballers sort of rejig those figures to, to kind of put, put a, do a Ligue 1 table based on kind of points per salary. Um, PSG or bottom, uh, I think Marseille were the next two in whichever order. And Mess were top of the league. So... You know, obviously, there's nothing in that except sort of, you know, moral victory or smugness or whatever. But it does kind of show management what, what well, Mets are though. working with, and you know, for mm -hmm. them to even be comfortable at this stage of the season, you know, just based on salary, they should be um, properly in the in the relegation mire. And the fact that they're not even close to it just mm -hmm. says a huge amount about Antonetti and the the talent within the squad and, and what they're all doing together. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it almost feels, doesn't it, like when you, when a team massively overperforms and then sort of has a couple of results that maybe they drop down a couple of places, they get forgotten. And, and that, that's disappointing, I think, because as you say, like as much as you probably won't want to hear this, Lance as well is another one. You know, where you just look at it and you go, this is a team that was promoted. Yeah, I mean, they're... Like, well, Lance spent quite a lot of money on this. That's also fair. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that is still 
they're in fifth, that is still a remarkable performance. Mm. As, but as is Mets in ninth, for me, Angers fall into yeah. that bracket in tenth. I mean, I well, had Angers this is to be where in the relegation. I think zone, it's yeah. a bit... Because obviously, as I said, if Mets had won that match, they'd have been sixth. Mm. I, th- then you've got the Avantement. And so I think the, the game we're probably going to forget to mention is uh, Brest versus Angers. Nil-nil, and my notes say, does anyone care? I think it's that space which is where we are not paying much attention because it's not the top or the bottom. There's still in that top 10, or I say top nine, Mm. um, the possibility of European places. And that's something that, you know, PSG fans will go, oh, Europa League, whatever, whatever. But there are some teams out there who would love to have the Europa League and Lance being in there is, I think, um, you know, a big plus. And if mm. Mets can get back up a bit, uh, obviously maybe not against Monaco and Kevin and all of the rest, but, you know, it, it's still really exciting. And so I think it's the kind of 10 to 14 bit where we've just stopped paying attention because there's so much going on elsewhere. And that's yeah. kind of fair enough. There is, there is, there was one final game that with a team that's in amongst that sort of yeah. 10 14, which is which is Nice, and they beat uh, a rather small country club called Olympic Marseille. But you may have heard of them. Um, no, uh, Marseille were, were back to their usual in this particular game, unfortunately. The San Paolo effect lasted three games, two, two and a half games, and um, yeah, it, it's come off the rails again. In fairness, I'm being harsh and a little bit flippant. I think it's going to take him a lot longer than three games to find his best side, etc. But Kevin Turam scored uh, a really good goal in this one. Love, lovely header before, I mean, Guiri and Alexis Claude-Maurice popping up with the third. Um, just quickly, Jez, am, am, I, am, I, am I deluded in thinking that these could make a run for the Europa League spots towards the end of the season just based purely on it just seems to be clicking for them all of a sudden am I, am I a bit deluded they're currently in 11th on 39 points and uh Lons and fifth are obviously 48 so I mean we are looking at quite a swing but is there a case to be made that these could rock out that table um you're relying on a lot of teams above <laughs> and you lose a lot of form um I don't, I don't think so but you know the way the way the the last couple of seasons have gone. I doubt that they're necessarily that bothered. I think they just need a bit of stability. They do still have a very talented squad. So you know, if, if they can get enough of them sort of maintaining that quality until next year, you know, if they've still got Guiri next year, who was fantastic and, and pretty much won the, won the match single-handedly for, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got I think Boudaou is a brilliant player and he's injured at the moment, but I think he's a he's a real talent as well. Claude Maurice is finally finding a little bit more kind of consistency and you know what we expected from him when he left Lorient, but it's taken him a while to get there. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think that they're, they're sort of well set to to do well next year, but mm. I think maybe they've left themselves a little bit too much to do this year. Yeah. Under Usia or not under Usia? Because he signed a short-term contract, doesn't he, until the end of the season? Um, Again, if he finishes the season well, there's no reason why not. But yeah, um, it's got that sort of eek of 
caretaker manager given job situation though to me yeah you know and, I mean? and the owners of the club you'd suggest might want they'll want something a, a bit manager more glitzy. who has a wikipedia page in more than one language yeah Someone like Patrick Vieira. No, 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 wait, no, wait, that won't work. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you do, you do sort of feel like they're going to look for someone to come in. I was, I was interested to see. Was it Sabi Alonso is going to manage a team? I think came out today. Who is it? Sorry, Minchin Gladbach. Minchin Gladbach. Yeah, I wonder if it's that kind of manager you could sort of see Nice going. Oh, he sounds fun, and it either going quite well or it going all very. Julian Stefan in the end, so uh, one to one to watch in the summer, one would suggest. Well, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if it went with Julian Stefan. <laughs> Actually, that isn't a bad shout, is it? I think we sort of <laughs> mentioned that when he learned, went from Rennes, so yeah, could be one to watch. And of course, it'll be fascinating when they eventually uh, go for Remy Guard and we all get caught off. Anyway, um, Thierry Henry. Say again? Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. Well, I mean, he's, he's free, isn't he? So, you know, he, he could he could go in, maybe take Carragher and Neville with him. and Nice part of the team. world. Yeah, I, I, I'd quite like to see Thierry get back into management, in fairness. But, uh, yeah, that kind of... I, I thought the MLS was a good fit for him, so it's a bit of a strange one that that didn't work out. But, anywho... Right. Um, just before we leave Liga behind for another two weeks, as it will be now, we'll just give you a, a sort of quick overview of the table. Kind of have done it already, but just to, to clarify, PSG and Lille are sharing top spot now, but PSG are ahead on goal difference, as I mentioned earlier, on 15 goals. Better off than Lille, 63 points for the pair of them. Lyon occupy third place on 60 points, a point clear of Monaco in fourth on 59, with the gap to 48 points loss in fifth. And you've got a little cluster of teams together. Marseille, 45 and 6, with Rennes, Montpellier, Metz and Angers uh, separated by just four points down to 10th. Then you've got the previously mentioned Nice on 39 points and 11th. Reims, Bordeaux, Brest down to 14th. And then you've got that clutch we mentioned earlier, Strasbourg, St Etienne, Lorient, Nîmes, Nantes. And poor old Dijon, who, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a matter of weeks now. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I think they can only afford to lose another three games, and that will be that. So, I think it's fair to say they are gone. A uh, little mention to a lad called Killian, probably one to watch for the future. Just scored his uh, his hundredth league goal yesterday, and I think he's still twelve years old. So, that's uh, that's definitely a player to watch in the future. But all jokes aside, quite yeah. an achievement for uh, a player who, I mean. Uh, Let's How be honest. This for I mean, he could aspire to to maybe be as good as Rashford. I would no. Let's let's not let's not get silly, Jess. So come the on. The leader of the opposition. Next thing you'll be telling me is good as Bruno Fernandez. Let's not get silly here. But uh, yeah, I I suspect we should, or I would suggest that we enjoy Kylian Mbappe and Liga for as long as we can, because I have a a horrible feeling that that we may get one more season at most before he is no longer with us in this particular league. Um, I fear. Hope I'm wrong, but I feel like that time may be coming. So, um, yeah, but quite an achievement for a, you know, a player who burst onto the scene, sort of Haaland-esque. 100 goals is no mean feat, even for a Farmers League. And just before we finish, Liga, um, by all means, if you want just 30 seconds each on this one, just to sort of draw a line. It's been a really good season, hasn't it? Given the fact we haven't had fans, we're, we're on the precipice of, of lockdown three, the monster returns, as I'm calling it. So we're, we're about to enter the third wave, apparently, if you believe what's going on in Europe. So we haven't had fans. The atmosphere is a big part of Liga. It's been a good season, hasn't it? You know, four-way title race, close at the bottom, entertaining I... games. 
I was having a conversation after with someone on Twitter because we were talking about the empty stadiums. And I've been meaning to do this for a while, but I've been cut off from a certain data analysis tool. But I did do it. Um, over the last four seasons, there's been about a 20% percentage point gap between home and away wins, right? It's mm. been 46% home, 27% away. This season, and admittedly, these scores are before last weekend, but you know, that will be a marginal impact. 38-37. The gap has disappeared. Bear in mind that in France, there aren't as many travelling fans, so home advantage is very much, you have the room. And so that does appear to be making a really big difference. Things are much less predictable. There's much more stuff being overturned. I'm going to stick the um, uh, graphic of this in the uh, in the article for the the podcast because it is marked the difference that we've got this season as opposed to the last seasons. Um, possibly because of you know, uh, the complete chaos everywhere, but also the empty stadium effect does appear to be really quite pointed. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point to make. And you've enjoyed it, Jez? I mean, obviously, from a personal point of view for, for Mets, I'm sure you have, but it has been, it's only really been the fans that have been missing, hasn't it? Because I, I, I wonder how, how much more we'd have loved it if, if we'd have had those supporters in place but it has been a good season hasn't it and, and I think maybe has just slightly made people sit up and take notice of, of the fact that it, it's actually not full of farmers after all I think that um, I think that the, those stats in terms of away results is this I don't know if it's the same across Europe it's definitely the same in the Premier League mm. um, I think that that's a big factor but I think the main factor is that PSG um, you can argue about the reasons for it. I think it probably is fair to say that a lot of it is sort of, you know, last season almost running into this season. Um, and so the fact that they, they haven't had so much of a break and, and um, resources have been strained. I think the the last few seasons, if you take away PSG and sometimes the team at the bottom, it's actually been very close Um league to where where for the most part you know any team from sort of second to, to 18th could possibly beat each other and um you know quite concertinaed um sort of points gaps between them so i think the main difference this year that's made some people sit up and pay attention is obviously that psg aren't running away with it so instead of one miles ahead and then a battle between second and fourth you've got a proper battle between first and fourth which which just makes it more exciting. The rest of it, um, you know, maybe people are giving it just the attention that it deserves, but there's always been good football played. There's always been, to be fair, good defensive football played. Yeah, everyone, you know, people criticise it for not having the same number of goals per game. You, no one ever sort of flips it on the other side and says, well, it's not necessarily because of the negativity or bad attacking. It might be because, that you know, that there is kind of good tactical now on the part of the coaches and, and good defenders and apart from that the, the the league is continuing to do what it does best which is bring through some fantastically talented young players 
um, at the moment there's you know there's there's the sort of extra little soap operas of, of uh, obviously PSG changing co coaches halfway through the season um, Marseille and sort of everything that goes on there and San Paoli and other big name coming in um, Vieira leaving earlier in the season so there's a, there's a few good storylines there's been some some really entertaining matches some stunning goals um, and yeah I think the main thing that would make people who don't usually follow it pay more attention is the fact that there is a title race which um, in certain other leagues that are supposedly better and, and apparently more evenly matched um, that's that's not happening um, yeah. but yeah it's just it's nice to see it getting a little bit more love and a little bit more attention but I, th I don't think you're going to be converting that Too many, many people I think people <laughs> all those people with with avatars of Paul Pogba or Kante or whatever in there well Pogba's a bad example but because he barely played in France but um you know all those who've got French players in their avatars or support teams who who based all their recent trophy wins on French players they're they're going to continue cycling off Ligue 1 without ever having watched it and and good luck to them and signing all the players, of course. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But never forget, this is the league that produced that goal from Evan Cardona. Never forget that. So, yeah, there you go. Um, and, of course, it's also the league that uh, that allowed one Zlatan Ibrahimovic to prosper. And uh, he's back in the Sweden squad, isn't he? Which nicely uh, no. transitions us into, into international I can't help affairs. Wondering what the rest of the Sweden squad think about this. Um, I can, Jesus, I, we thought we were rid of him. I can oh. tell you. I, I can already tell you that they're, they're not particularly chuffed about it. There's, there's quite a few of them that, that have uh, leaked their um, disapproval to various media sources on the quiet. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, you know, for the for the pageantry and the fun of it, I kind of hope it's a roaring success and, you know, Sweden lose to France in the final. But that aside, uh, yeah, I think it might be a little bit more pantomime than prosperous. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, Jez, I think you, this is probably your neck of the woods, really, just, just to um, briefly touch on the the World Cup qualifiers that um, somehow I had stuck in my head that they were friendlies because I'm an idiot. But uh, Ukraine up first on the 24th of March, which is Wednesday, two days time, time recording, followed up by an away trip to Kazakhstan and uh, another away trip to Bosnia-Herzegovina. Don't ask me if either of those two countries are allowed to have games. I'm guessing those I, two, are, I think I they are both all right, think, aren't they? Uh, was, it, was it Memphis who actually said, um, it make, makes no sense to have you know the ban on uh, players going away in the international break for the Afghan yeah uh, things on the grounds that France is going to be playing in Kazakhstan it yeah make any sense I mean it makes no sense full stop yeah. I think we're all in agreement with that one but uh, they are they are the fixtures. Um, thoughts on the squad, Jess? I mean, it's a pretty strong squad, isn't it? Uh, Alfonso Ariola being back in was, uh, I thought, quite a nice touch, given the fact that he's probably not going to get any minutes, but he's been really good for Fulham this season. Other than that, it's kind of as you'd expect, given the fact that a few people have dropped down to the to the under-21s. Um, the only other two that sort of pricked my ears up slightly was Zuma stays in 
as does uh, Ortengo and Dembele as well. That was the only other one. Tom and Lamar, I suppose, is a little bit of a surprise. But what was your view on, on this squad? Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the return of three World Cup winners in um, Ariola, Lamar and also Dembele. Yeah, that's true, Dembele as well. Yeah, um, that's a fair point. And Dembele, who obviously came into the squad just after the World Cup, is back as well. So mm. I think all of them are de- deserve to, to return to the squad. And apart from that, there's so much strength and depth. You can always argue, you know, this player should be in, this player this should be out. Um, it's a slightly enlarged squad because, you know, it's three matches in, I think, less than a week. Um and you know, coming straight off, it's, you know, really quick changeover from, you know, Mbappe, for example, playing last night to, to a match this Wednesday. And and although France obviously should start all three matches as favourites, I think it is there are potential banana skins there just because it's it's again such a, a packed schedule, and and Deschamps really going to have to kind of manage fitness and and um, rotation or whatever. You know, personally, I don't agree with all the decisions. I don't know how Mondondo is still anywhere near that that squad. Sissoko is... somehow still keeps popping up. <laughs> he's um, like a pass man, isn't he? Mondondo, I agree with. By the way, he is looking, he's looking ropey at the moment. I have to say, it's, it's sad, but yeah. Form, I don't think Longley deserves a place. But, no, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's it's a very strong squad. So they they. They should be coming away with with uh, nine. Let's be real. Three would be very nice. Yeah, you, Ukraine arguably. Ones. I know. You know they're talking about players dropping down like Awa Kamavinga. Not hundred percent sure either, either of them would necessarily deserve to be in the full squad on current form anyway. So no, I agree. Especially, uh, I know especially it's Kamavinga. To say that about Awa because everyone's just. Take no, no. It's read that he's great, but he's really, really not. No one cares anymore, Joe, because he's not linked with English clubs anymore. So he's actually irrelevant now. That's how it works. So, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. He, he's nobody anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I take, but I take your point. Um, the under twenty ones is. I mean, when you look at the, the talent in this French setup, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything other than winning the Euros and you know challenging the World Cup is a failure, but. It kind of looks that way, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's just the, the wealth of talent they've got. And when you when you consider really, if you look at that French centre forward setup, when when you can pick any one of Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe, uh, Olivier Giroud, people might scoff at, but you know, look at the facts: Usman Dembele, Wissam Ben Yedda, Kingsley Cohen, and, and Anthony Martial are backup. I mean, it, like, it's outrageous, really, isn't it? The amount of talent they have and players are only going to continue to come through so um yeah it's good it's good times and we should say as well the under 21 championship is a bit random this year in that they are playing the group stages uh, basically now and then whoever goes through that will then play off in the uh, kind of like the champions league last year like the final four or whatever it is final eight in in the summer which um I, I I just don't know how I just don't know how international football is going to look in six months, let alone eighteen months. And we've got so they're this, playing Denmark, Russia, yes, this, Iceland, yeah, in space of a week, a week, yeah. So I mean, well, what could possibly go wrong? You know, um, 
Biarbi and Awa have pulled out of the squad and been replaced by two Lorient players. Yes, indeed. I, I wasn't going to mention that because I thought people would, would be a little bit, um, think I was being a bit, you know, biased. But yes, uh, Awar, I think, um, not hugely surprised because he, he was missing, wasn't he, from the uh, from the Leon squad from last night. So that you kind of saw that coming, I would guess. Um, I didn't see what happened to Diaby, though. This is the Leverkusen Diaby, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Um, but hey, more Lorient players in the better, I would suggest. I'm not biased at all. Um, but yes, that is, yeah, that's where the... Really well. Say again? Because they're doing so well. Oi, rein it in. Just because just you haven't got any Mets players in, don't get, don't get salty on me, Jess. Don't get salty on me. But uh, no, all jokes aside, like you say, is um, I wonder if uh, a certain manager of the France under-21s might have something to do with the fact there's two Lorient players in the team. <laughs> Yeah, some would say. <laughs> Anywho. This is the issue, I think. Um, the, two years ago, France had a fantastic squad as well. And even though they got to the semi-final, it was actually pretty flattering based on their actual performances. And they were found out in the semi-final. So, um, you know, just well, having to be players on paper, they often been necessarily perfect? translate to, to a, a winning squad. Yeah, but I I would rather that all these talented players made their mistakes and and gained some experience under twenty one levels so that they're you know, finished articles by the time they get to the first team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's good to watch. Whatever way you look at it, it's definitely good to watch. So uh, I think we're we're rather blessed with what we have to uh, to choose from. So good stuff. Okie kokey. I think we'll um we'll draw a line there. I did just want to give um just a, a little cheeky mention. I did put out a, a, a appeal for questions earlier on, and none of you wanted to ask us questions. So you know what? Screw you, lot. No, Why aside, they're but... just being shy. I know. Well, I wanted to give a little we a little shout. Encourage them. I, I wanted to give a little shout to um Tariq Amir, who I know you had a bit of an interaction with the other yeah. day, Phil, and and we had a bit of back, and uh, I caught up with it today. Um, talking about that, those free kicks. So um, yeah, they give a little shout out to Tarek who who uh, interacts fairly regularly. So um, yeah, little shout out to you, Tarek. So there you go. That's me. It's nice, isn't it? Um, right, that will do us for this week. Then we will, of course, be back next week, uh, as you probably would have guessed with the international games. No domestic action, so it will be full focus on the labeler for next week we will uh, we'll have two games to talk about between now and then so we will get through those two or three no hang on 28 30 wednesday 31st wednesday yes we'll have two games to talk about next week and join so us next week ones and maybe the women's champions league if they play it if it happens, yes, yeah. yes, we're kept keeping our powder dry on that one because we don't really know what's going to happen at this stage. So we'll we'll keep that glued to the eardrums. Right. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Jez, for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Good evening. Jez has already gone. He's gone. He's gone to put his dinner on. He's gone to put his dinner. On. Either that, or he's got so upset that there's no Mets players in the under twenty one squad. Right, uh, that will do it for this week then. Uh, thank you as always for listening. Do get in touch if you do have anything to say or if, you, if you're not shy, give us a little nudge. But uh, until then, it's a break from Liga, but enjoy your Le Blues action and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>